gallery view. Beautiful, beautiful. We have a great, great, great movie for you tonight. It really will help really loosen from the, the make-believe self-concept of the world. And uh, I'd say this movie is on the extreme side. Um, but then again, when you're in a deep slumber and you don't even know how you got here and you don't even remember um, any of the guilt or the intense um, pain of, of belief in separation and it's kind of like you become adapted and adjusted to a dream world in which you now believe you're inside the dream world. That's, a, that's like a lot of uh, mesmerism and it's like getting lost in a hallucination and completely forgetting that you made it up. That's a pretty deep, uh, deep dive into illusions. And so, even if we look at history, you know, the, the story of Jesus 2,000 years ago uh, was a pretty extreme story, particularly at the end. And um, I would say it, it was extreme uh, for about three years and then it went to very extreme uh, with the crucifixion scene. And then even more extreme with the resurrection scene. I mean, it was, talk about mind-blowing. There's nothing on this planet before or since, I think, that comes even close to the, to the extremes of that. Because it was, it's not often that you're, you have like a spiritual teacher who some people call the Messiah, and then all of a sudden starts performing all these miracles, which is very unexpected. And then... Uh, it turns into a love affair and a love-hate affair. Some people adoring him and some people ready to crucify him. And then it gets really vicious at the end and then it ends with the crucifixion scene and then he surprises everybody with a resurrection and comes back from the dead. You know, that's, that's pretty dramatic. I know, uh, Yuda, you've been watching The Chosen and doing, I saw some of your commentaries, which is really getting back to the flavor of what was going on. Very very intense, dramatic. So this is our modern day extreme movie uh, for a couple thousand years later and this movie is designed to help us release our belief in our investment in the self-concept that we've constructed. You know, for the story back then, the Holy Spirit arranged it and the angels arranged it and and it was very extreme, and, and basically the Holy Spirit used it as a teaching device, and it has become a, a world-renowned teaching device. Uh, there's even movies, The Passion, and uh, The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson, and there's a lot of movies from the, the gra very graphic uh, movies, like The Passion of the Christ, uh, there's been many different versions of that movie. One of them was called The Greatest Story Ever Told. How's that for the name of a movie? You, you have to put something on there after you put a title, The Greatest Story Ever Told, as the title of your movie. And Jesus, and the whole story of Jesus delivers, you know, it's, it's a huge story. So tonight we're going to watch a movie called The Game with uh, Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. 
I can see Stevens, like, yeah, he's got both thumbs up. He's all geared up. He's got his notepad ready. He's got, he's got everything ready. He's, oh, he's ready. He's raring to go with this one. So the game is, why is it so helpful? It's Number one, it's because it's an extreme teaching device. Just like the crucifixion and the resurrection was an extreme teaching device, 2,000 years later, the Holy Spirit's not finished. He, he is bringing us a movie that some critics called Ludicrous. Uh, they called this movie Ludicrous, but if, with the right commentary, this is the kind of thing that can start to shake you out of the steep slumber of believing that, you've, that the earth is solid, that, you've got, that you're a solid being, walking with two feet on solid ground, and and believe you're gliding down the highway when, as Paul Simon says, in fact you're slip-sliding away. You're, you're twice removed from reality. You, you don't remember the separation belief, you don't remember the horror of that, you don't remember the, we'll call it the Lucifer Rebellion, uh, you don't remember the, the forming of the worlds and then the, the taking on an identity and taking on a hallucination and a dream that now has become so seemingly stabilized, even though I say seemingly because many of you watch the news and you say, stabilized? Is this what you call a stable identity with pen, pandemic and, and all kinds of earth changes going on? But I mean, relatively stable enough to believe that you're a human being on planet earth and that you have a separate life, a separate personality, a separate identity apart from the whole, apart from God's will for perfect happiness. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I mean by seemingly the ego has, has made up a world and then it's, a, it's promoted a lot of adapt, adaptions, adaptations, adjustments, uh, and so far the mind just has been adapting and adjusting to the, to the dream world so much so that now it's, it's quite convinced that the dream world is real and that, that God is now the big question mark. Now if you survey people, is, does God exist? There's a lot of question marks. We got the atheists, agnostics, the believers, the non-believers, the scientists. You know, there's, God is the question mark now and the world of time and space has become what seems to be, people call that reality. Uh, and, and it's flipped. Everything's backwards and upside down and yet you actually need to start to have some triggers, uh, emotional triggers that start to tell you, oh my gosh, something is fishy about this world. And I don't think that this world, you have to start to realize, it's not what it seems. Uh, it's, just, it's just a reflection of consciousness, or as I say oftentimes, it's a motion picture of consciousness. And yet, when the unconscious mind, the, the darkness, where the, the deep fear, the deep guilt, Jesus says, the, the dream you dream in secret, which is his version of the unconscious mind, he said, is draped with sin. Those are the words he uses for the unconscious mind, draped with sin. So that's pushed way out of awareness. And actually, the only way to heal and to wake up from the dream world is to allow the, the guilt up. And the way that basically the Holy Spirit is allowing the guilt up, you might say bit by bit, 
piece by piece is is basically through what seems to be a linear world where th- where events seem to happen on the screen and then you feel all shaken up and uh, you feel stirred up with certain events and that's just the interpretation of certain events seems to get stirred up, bringing up a lot of upset because the guilt is just coming up bit by bit, like little bubbles from the bottom of an aquarium, just surfacing through the aquarium and then it's being interpreted as if the self-concept, we'll say the personality self-concept and the world that surrounds the personality is so hit and it seems like it's there's so much change and so much insecurity and so much instability for the hero of the dream, for that body that seems to be the hero of the dream. So most people live a pretty um, tumultuous life. Overall, I mean, some have more extreme lives seemingly than others, but, but most people are dealing with survival issues and psychological issues their entire life, from, from birth to death. You birth, you get a slap on the butt, from the doctor, and you ah, you start screaming, foom! From the first time when you come out of the mother's womb, you're screaming, and and many people seem to go down to death very bitterly. Uh, death is not a common exit uh, that without pain. Uh, usually, uh, oftentimes, it seems to have a lot of pain and suffering. So, why do we need a movie like this? We need a movie like this because it's a wake-up call. Uh, one time, Eckhart Tolle was saying, you need to die before you die. And what he meant by that was, you need to die to the ego. You need to die to ego beliefs. You need to release your investment in the ego before your body dies. Otherwise, it's going to be unpleasant. <laughs> so, I would say, you need to forgive before you lay aside the body. That's, I wouldn't say you need to die before you die, because in course terms that doesn't make a lot of sense. But, but actually, I would say you need to forgive so you can gently lay aside the body, as if it's just taking off a sweater that you don't need anymore. Uh, that's, a, that's a peaceful transition, and that's the way it can, can be. The body can be laid aside that easily if you've forgiven, if you've accepted the atonement and forgiven. So, in this movie, we have, uh, we have the main character, and it's played by Michael Douglas, and this is a very, very uh, wealthy banker, a, a wealthy businessman. He's a merchant banker, and merchant banker means he deals in huge, huge sums of money. He's not like a teller at your local bank, in the store. He's like a merchant banker. He deals with millions and hundreds of millions of dollars and his self-concept is that of a very powerful, very wealthy businessman who is like many businessmen who's quite detached from the world. He's got, he lives in a mansion. He, he works downtown in a huge office. He has a uh, a cleaner, uh, maybe like cleaner, made cook uh, that, that works uh, at his mansion for him. He has a brother, uh, played by Sean Penn, who is, is named Conrad in this movie. 
And basically, he is going to, he's haunted a bit by the memories of his father, who was also a wealthy man, and his father just fell off, as a suicide, fell off of a building, off of, of, of his own house, um, kind of into the, the foyer, the front yard of, of, the, of his house. And so he's haunted by the suicide memories of his father. Now, what does that have to do with our topics or themes for this week? Well, the first one was assumptions. What was it called? Drawing conclusions. Drawing conclusions. And we could say that everyone who comes to planet Earth and everyone who comes to time and space has a self-concept that's built on a false belief, which is the ego, and then they believe they're a personality self in a particular culture or a particular time frame and a particular family and so on and so forth. That's, that's the self-concept. And the entire self-concept of everything the mind, the sleeping mind believes it is in time and space is all based on assumptions. It's, it's all based on unquestioned beliefs. It's, they're just there and everything that you experience as your life in this dream world is just a projection or a motion picture of those uh, assumptions that, that have not been questioned. And so the spiritual journey is basically whether you study Ramana Maharshi and self-inquiry, uh, Advaita Vedanta self-inquiry, whether you're philosophical, whether you have a psychological curiosities of how the mind works, whether you are into the new age and you're interested in the power of the mind and the, the nature of thought, or whatever angle you come at it from from any religion or Christianity or whatever, we could say that the Course, a Course in Miracles really helps show us that there's an unconscious mind and belief system and, and that there are, are these assumptions that have to be questioned. In fact, Jesus says to learn this Course requires willingness to question every value that you hold. Not one can be kept hidden or it will obstruct, it will inhibit it will limit your learning. It will limit your your awareness of forgiveness because as long as you believe the impossible, which is what time and space is, because God didn't create it, as long as you have these beliefs, then they have to be questioned. And then what was our second uh, some thing under the assumption? The authority problem. Oh, the authority problem. The authority problem is is believing you can make yourself. So the authority problem is the belief that precedes the self-concept. If God is the creator of reality, since God is spirit, and God creates Christ, and Christ is spirit, then the belief that you can create yourself, or you can invent yourself as you wish to be, is basically the belief that you are the author of yourself and and therefore you can make yourself as you go along. So then, instead of just being an eternal being, you use time as like your palette and you get your paintbrush out and you paint. And um, 
for many, many of you, you, t you can talk about reincarnational term. Each seeming lifetime is just painting another identity. And that's within the linear framework. Although if you hang with us through the Beyond the Body uh, retreat we have coming up, we're going way beyond the linear reincarnational perspective. We're going quantum uh, next, next month. And this, this movie is still a linear story, but it's a great story of undoing the self-concept. Another thing that's good about this is that for the undoing, um, there's going to be collaborations. You're going to have mighty companions. And I would say in this particular movie, uh, Nicholas Van Orton, uh, which is the Michael Douglas character, he, he has a bit of a, a strained relationship with his brother, uh, played by Sean Penn, who's Conrad. So Nicholas and Conrad have a, a little bit of a strained relationship, you know, because Nicholas feels like he's like, you know, he's the one who is successful and powerful and like, you know, he's the one who's got his act together. And then Sean Penn is always good at playing the, uh, the wayward, wild, um, whatever, uh, black sheep. Uh, and so there's a friction between the one who's followed all the rules to become the good, logical, rational citizen who's a banker, he's got lots of money, and he feels like he's got his act together so good. He feels like he, he basically has met the world uh, with using the ego's laws with success, as the ego would say. He has a very strong self-concept. And uh, what was the Pat Benatar's song, Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Come on now, hit me with your best shot. Fire away. Dun, dun. This movie is kind of like that. The, he's got a prayer underneath to have the Holy Spirit dissolve this self-concept. But when you feel like you're successful in this world, you are really twice removed from reality. Because you don't even know that it's a farce. You don't even know that you're, you've been building, building, building a self-concept that is like a house of cards, that is like, it's like built on straw. It, it, is, it has no foundation, and no matter how big you puff it up to be, and how powerful it is, uh, it's, it's destined to be retranslated, or you might say dismantled. Uh, and so that's what this movie is really about. How is that helpful for all of us? When you watch this movie, Again, you should have a big smile on your face because, you know, we're all moving in the same direction. And, and Michael Douglas, you know, is Nicholas. He's just acting it out in an extreme way for all of us. And this is extreme. This is an extreme undoing of, uh, of a self-concept. I'm trying to think of another movie. There are some movies. There was one with Woody Harrelson where he was a doctor. Was it called something about the, the sun or... Something that was a good one. Oh man, if you if we ever show that one, but he gets he gets kidnapped by a, like a, a, a Native American man who's who's kind of in drugs and everything, and that's like Woody Harrelson goes through a a major undoing. And I'd say this movie is kind of on a par with that one. Something about the sun. I can't remember what that was. Suncatcher. Suncatcher. 
Oh my gosh, if you guys, if you enjoy this movie and you're on a high, uh, and you enjoy watching the ego get dismantled, then I think it was like an HBO movie or something, but Suncatcher, Woody Harrelson, what a performance. He's like the Michael Douglas character, Nicholas. He gets totally stripped down. And I, I think this movie and Suncatcher are some of the, the greatest transformation of, of consciousness. I mean, Lucy, of course, I would say she's not only stripped down, but she's, she zooms right up into the light, you know, which is taking it all the way. That's why everyone loves Lucy, because I love Lucy. <laughs> this is a new generation of I Love Lucy, but our Lucy is Scarlett Johansson. She's not a redhead. She's a, a pillar of waking up to the, to the light. So what I think I like about this too is this movie really shows the dynamics. Because the mind is so powerful and because whatever you think and believe gets projected onto the screen, uh, you, it literally, the screen is always reflecting it. With Michael Douglas, the con, or the uh, the Nicholas Van Orton character, he's going down hard, and he is not going down easy. He is going to rebel against the dismantling. He is going to fight back. You know, like in Star Wars, you know, the Empire strikes back. Uh, and Darth Vader is, you know, is not going down easy <laughs> in those Star Wars movie. He's, he's still got his mask on. He's going, going strong. In this one, Nicholas Van Orton, he's going down. It's, it's, a, it's a really a, a very deep dismantling and, and um, unraveling of his self-concept. But he's so proud, and he's so uh, proud of, of what he knows and that he's, He's in a position of, of such power and wealth that he actually has guilt underneath about his father's suicide. He can't quite get away from that. But as far as handling the world, he's pretty sure he can handle just about anything the world throws at him. And he has no idea of how powerful his mind is and what the world's going to throw at him because it's, it's a designed program. It's supposed to be a a recreational program, what was it called, CR, I think CRS is the, is the thing in New York City, is uh, Yasko's, but it's CRS or CRT, something like that. It's got, it's a, it's a recreational company that is kind of mysterious, and people talk about it kind of tongue-in-cheek and whisper about it, but it's kind of one of these mysterious things that nobody's too sure about. And it's supposed to be involving recreation, uh, but it's actually just symbols that the Holy Spirit will use as part of a major, major dismantling. And I was saying earlier, you know, as powerful as the mind is, so if you want to go through a dismantling, and if you really are tuned in with the Holy Spirit, and you just are so sincere and so devoted and so willing, I think of like St. Francis of Assisi, you know, after he got back from the war and the Crusades and had the fever, he, he kind of took off towards the Christ in a real dramatic way with mystical experiences and, and he, he took off pretty fast. But that was because he was so willing, ready, willing and, uh, and sincere. 
And then you get to see the ego mind and the sleeping mind in this movie where it thinks it knows something and it will try to fight against the awakening. It will try to fight against the dismantling. And, and yet, you can't kill the ego. And that's why sometimes, sometimes people tell me, I'm so angry at my ego. I'm so angry. I am going to get it. I am going to get that thing. If it's the last thing I do, I'm like, like it's hunting season and you're going out with like a, a rifle to take this ego out. You can't take the ego out with, with, uh, with vengeance, with hatred. You can't take the ego out with attack. You, you can't destroy the ego. In fact, if you have a desire to destroy it, the ego will use that desire to grow stronger in awareness. Uh, it has to be forgiven. It can't be destroyed. The Holy Spirit and Jesus have no destruction in them. Uh, nothing in the light of heaven has anything to do with destruction. So, in this movie, to the extent that he feels like he's going to fight against whatever perceived forces are dismantling his perception of the world, he is going to to fight against it with everything that he's got. And he needs mighty companions. So I think Conrad, his brother, is a mighty companion. Uh, except he's suspicious about his mighty companions. And then we have Christine. I love movies that have a character in it with Christ. And Christine is in it. And so this is a, a female character that's going to come in as soon as he gets involved with this recreation program, in comes Christine. Now Christine seems to be like involved in a lot of the scenes of his dismantling and he, at first he just sees this, as, okay who is this woman and uh, he's, he's a little bit attracted to her and also he's, he'll be very suspicious of her and she's going to be like his mighty companion that's going to take the ride with him side by side. That's what you'll find in the dismantling, that you're going to have some mighty companions that come alongside you that are going with you along the ride. And that's by design. You don't go alone. You know, you won't go alone from this point. Mighty companions go with you, Jesus says. So even us watching these movies, you know, we're like, we're all settled into our houses on Wednesday nights. We're ready for our dismantling and we've got a screen full of mighty companions that are going with us and we're all going together in this. We're all undoing the ego together in this. So Christine is there and... Um, but just like with Michael Douglas's character, Nicholas, he's a, he is a bit suspicious and occasionally you can get suspicious of your mighty companions. You're, you're going along with them, things are getting, oh, miracles, 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 and then a big swath of fear comes up, a big swath of anger comes up, a big swath of hatred comes up, and you may even be tempted to project onto your mighty companions, <laughs> the ones that are there to assist you in your awakening. That happens. That happens even with, uh, with people who go to hospitals. They can get very angry at the doctors or the nurses if they perceive that they aren't really helping them, that they somehow have another perception of them. But Christine is, is going to be with him through this ride and, and I like the name Christine because it's just another reminder that Christ is with you. 
his mighty companion right by his side in most of the extreme undoing uh, scenes of his life is, is Christ. Christ is there, is Christine. But he, he has to learn to accept help and accept that she's there to help him. Uh, whereas at times he gets very suspicious of her and he's, he starts analyzing her motives and he actually thinks that she's part of a conspiracy. And that's another thing, when there's a lot of fear, there is a huge tendency in the mind to look for conspiracies, look for, I mean, it goes from paranoia to conspiracies to the world's out to get me. And this, this is the case with the, un, this is the case with the dismantling. It also brings to mind a workbook lesson that it was just a recent workbook lesson in the calendar of years. It can be but myself that I crucify. What is that like? 190? 196. It can be but myself that I crucify. And what that is, is Jesus saying, you need to see that the attack is in your mind. Because if you think the attack is in the world, or in the projection, you're not even close to letting it go. All you're going to do if you think the attack is external to your mind, it's in the world, whether you think of it as racism, sexism, the Nazis, Donald Trump, uh, it, I mean anything that you perceive, your neighbors, your friends, your, your partners, your cat. Where's ISO? Anybody ever project on ISO at all? He's over there. You know, if you believe there's anything in the world that is trying to take your peace away or attacking you, then Jesus is telling us in, in that lesson, it can be but myself I crucify, that until you see that the attack is in your mind, and you're attacking yourself in your mind by believing in the ego. What's, what is an attack but to believe that you're an ego instead of the Christ? So until you see that the attack is in your mind, you're not going to be willing to let it go. But, good news is that Salvation's hymn, Salvation's song is right there in that lesson. He says it. Because if you can see that the attack is in your mind, you can let it go. And, and once you let it go, you have forgiven and you will find peace of mind. You're, you're on your way back to heaven. But not as long as you're projecting the attack into the world. Maybe even you project it to the body that you think you are. And then you say, I hate myself. Well, it's not spirit saying, I hate myself. It's sleeping mind, which is identified with the body, saying, I hate myself, meaning I, personality I, hates personality I. <laughs> you know, maybe it's because of the decisions you made. How could I get into debt? How could I allow people to treat me that way? How could, I, how could I stay with this person? How could I stay in this terrible, terrible, abusive situation? Ha ha ha! It's not the situation that's abusive. It's the mind believing in the ego. And the ego is the belief in abuse. It's not like there's an external world that abuses the character, the personality self that you seem to be. That's just a projection. That's a total setup by the ego to keep the guilt, to keep the pain, to keep the fear and the anger always 
projected to the world. So it always seems about stories and characters. Do you know what happened to me when I was six years old? Do you know what happened to me when I was 14? And then, you know what happened to me when I was 27? You know, these stories are just projections of, of the one attack thought, which is the ego, onto the world. And that's its whole mechanism for perpetuating itself, is having the mind fooled into thinking that the world is doing it to me. And because this part of the, this aspect of the dream is the dream that was dreamed, it was given away, he said, the dream that you dream in secret is the unconscious mind, the dream that was given away is what you perceive as the world. So that's why people seem to harm other people, people seem to harm animals, people seem to destroy, I mean, entire civilizations like Atlantis and Lemuria and different have been destroyed over the, the over human history. But but there's only destruction perceived by a sleeping mind that thinks that the world is real. Actually, if you if you forgive the ego, which is the destructive belief in the mind, then you've you're you're home free. So this is a good movie for that. I would just watch your emotions as you go through watching this movie because you know, to the extent that you are, are identified with the hero of the dream, Nicholas in this case, uh, it's going to be a rough ride. Um, if you're identified with Christine, it's still a rough ride. Even Sean Penn, yeah, the Conrad character, is still a rough ride. You have, to, you have to acknowledge though, if you have emotions coming up, that these are your inroads to Awakening. If you have issues coming up when you watch this kind of, I'll call it, rather extreme movie, it's going to give you huge insight into where you are still holding on to beliefs and self-concepts in your mind. And, and so we might say that's what the advantage of this movie is. is it's, a, it's a can opener. It, it takes the lid off of the unconscious mind and it's kind of like you saying to your unconscious beliefs, you know, Oh, Ali Ali Income Free, come out, come out, wherever you are, ha ha, you've been hiding for a millennium, but now tonight, with, with my mighty companions, we're going to call up whatever these beliefs are, and you just can tell how you feel when you watch the movie. You may end up wanting to watch this movie again, or if you don't want to watch the same movie twice, then watch Sun Chaser, and... If it didn't come up with this movie, it'll come up with Sun Chaser. <laughs> Jesus will get, get, get the beliefs up with one or the other. Maybe this is a warm-up movie. <laughs> then you watch Sun Chaser, and then, then it all comes up. But then you have a chance to forgive. You have a chance to really see, see what's going on. So enjoy the movie. This is going to be a great ride. Hold on to your hat with this one, um, because it's, it's quite a ride. And yet... It, I, I have to say this movie is, is just well made because it's definitely engaging. Uh, but it reminds me when I first went to an amusement park and my friends were saying, come on, let's go on the roller coaster ride. And I'd look at the roller coaster and I would just go, I don't know if I want to go on that roller coaster ride. And so for years I was like, I don't know if I want to go on that roller coaster ride at Kings Island, Ohio, uh, where they had this, co this uh, 
amusement park. And then finally, some friends said, you know, they've invented a new roller coaster ride, David, and you really need to go on it. And I say, a new one? And they said, it's the fastest in the world. I said, the fastest in the world? It's, it's the fastest roller coaster ride in the world. And they said, and the name of it is called The Beast. And I was like, oh. But I did. I went on The Beast. That was back when I had some hair. And whoosh, I was on The Beast. I, didn't, I did not want to be in the front car. But, I mean, I went on The Beast and I had some unconscious guilt that came up on my ride on The Beast. This is a little bit of a movie like The Beast. It's, it takes you in and then you feel like you're on the beast sometimes. But if you really just hang with it, then you can really... We have a few people here who have not seen the, the movie. So that's... What about in our studio audience there? Is there anybody? Julie hasn't seen... Okay, there we go. Mitha, there we go. Okay, Annie. Okay, that's good. Here, Ellie, okay. That's good, because that's great. This is the kind of thing, you're like me going on the beast in high school. <laughs> you know, but in, you, if you have the context, I will inter, interject uh, commentary in this movie for key points. So I will be <laughs> popping into the movie <laughs> uh, to interject some points about the self-concept and the undoing. Maybe around trust, uh, um, maybe around collaboration and various things, or maybe various uh, assumptions and, and things that are not questioned. So hold on to your hat, and everyone enjoy the ride, and we'll, I'll see you very soon. Okay, there's, that's a perfect good setup start, because you can see he, Nicholas is the oldest, of the two brothers, he likes to feel like a lot of oldest uh, like to feel they're they're a little more settled down, more in charge, more in control, more established. I hate surprises, um, and and here comes the birthday gift. Uh, and actually, those were scenes at the beginning of the movie of of a, a birthday party, and so he's remembering his birthday party, but he's also remembering what happened at that birthday party and how his whole life was changed, you know, back from that day. And it's just reminders of that. And then there's, you see the two brothers. Those are the main characters. Uh, we'll, we'll see a lot more of Nicholas than we will of Conrad, but he has important play. And then there's this waitress, you might have noticed, you just saw her a little bit in white. That was Christine. She was the one that says, are you guys ready to order? And, you know, Conrad was like, do you mind? And she came like three times to the table. So she's right there in the opening scene, too, where he's at this restaurant meeting his, his brother, Conrad, and Nicholas, you know, is trying, do you need anything? And Conrad is saying, here's for the, what do you get for the one who has everything? You know, it's, it's really kind of like uh, the movie Family Man, where Nicolas Cage seems to be the one that's got his whole life together, and then Don Chidel plays the angel, and, and 
how's your life? Oh, it's perfect. Oh, perfect. This is going to be fun. This is, even you might have noticed at the beginning of the movie when it was saying the game and you had the shattering um, puzzle pieces that were flying there three times. That's, that's telling you that this is going to be a total, it's foreshadowing a retranslation. And there it was, sure enough, CRS, the same name of uh, Yasko's uh, Course of Miracles Center in New York City, CRS. So she's got that going on. But this is San Francisco, this is the other coast. CRS in San Francisco. That, that's going to be uh, his, his uh, undoing. So, okay, here we go. Let's go into it. Okay, so that's what's presented to him. It's a gift, it's a recreational game, and he's got to do all these, these tests, uh, answer all these questions, and basically do the physical test. What's up, what was our number one category this week about something? Drawing conclusions. All of, all of these tests that he's been given are basically getting in touch with all of his psychological makeup. And how does that relate to us? Well, Jesus knows our psychological makeup. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, know the ego, and they know everything the ego invented, and everything that the ego made, and so it's like they can use whatever the ego made. So in this case, in terms of all these tests and questions, they're just trying to get a good map of his personality, his internal makeup, how he reacts to things, how he interprets things, uh, where he has his, his uh, crisis points or his uncomfortable points, where he has his difficult points. It's just like, you might say, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It takes the ego mind and the personality self and the, the false self-concept and then it works with that in a, in a way to undo or unwind the mind from the, the ego, from the self-concept. So this is a similar thing with this. And uh, it was called a recreational uh, company, but um, actually it was also called a game. And you might say this kind of relates to, to the Course Workbook lesson where Jesus says that salvation is, is a happy game and it's the final game that you play on earth. It's the final game that you go through before you forgive and wake up to heaven. But the Holy Spirit will use everything that the ego made as part of that. That's why you might say even though the whole plan uh, was accomplished the instant that the ego arose, all of time and space, millions of years of seemingly human interactions and aliens and technology and evolution and what seemed to play out over millions of years was all really simultaneous. And it was just one instant. The, every, the mind and all the fragments of the mind all come back together in the Holy Spirit's plan. And it takes the working out in terms of time for a mind that believes in time and in space. So this is how this relates to us, as you might say, that he's taking all these tests and already they're, they're seemingly pushing his buttons in the sense that say, it'll be very short, now it's nighttime, he's still taking the test. Um, could you hold this, you know, 
he's, he's used to being the one in charge. He's used to being the one who calls the shot. He's given all the potential appointments. No, 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 no. I don't know, even know why I bother to ask. Well, if you knew society, then you would know why to avoid society. He's, he's pretty much avoiding his relationships. Even when his, his uh, Issa wishes him happy birthday, he says, good night. Uh, when his wife wants to talk, he, he basically wants to get off the phone conversation as quickly as he can with his ex-wife. Is he interested in knowing about her life? No. Is he interested in the details? He's not really that interested in Conrad's life. He's not really interested in any life. Um, he's kind of like, you know, got that, that Frank Sinatra song, got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow, got the string around my finger. What a world, what a life. Yeah, he's, he's wealthy, he's powerful. His meals are, are prepared for him. All he's got to do is open a bottle of wine or champagne and watch the latest uh, news, of, of financial news. And he's got a very rigid, structured life. No, no jolts, no surprises, and he doesn't like surprises. <laughs> Even when his Conrad you know, tried to play a couple surprises there, at, uh, at the restaurant. But he's, he's very much the belief that he has control over his world. And the Course is teaching in, this, in the Rules for Decision, you have no control over the world that you made. You still have control over your state of mind, but you don't have any control over the projection because the ego made the projection and basically the, the world will just reflect your beliefs but you can't control it. You can only forgive it. You can't, you can't, you may think you can control your weight. You may think you can control your finances. You may think you can control your interpersonal relationships. You may think you can control some aspects of this world. And Jesus is saying, no, you have no control over the world you made. And that's what the undoing of the ego is, is the the giving up the belief that you can control the form and focusing on, on controlling the direction of your thinking, lining up with your right mind, lining up with the Holy Spirit, lining up with, with God, uh, is really what, what remains of the power of choice. You only have choice of the purpose that you hold in your mind. You only therefore have choice on how you look at the world or how you interpret the world with the ego or the Holy Spirit. As for the events and circumstances in the projected world, no control over the world. And he believes he has total, or most, almost total. So this is why this is so a helpful movie, because basically he believes the impossible, and now the Spirit's got to find a way to show him it's not so. You, you really are not in charge of this false identity. You are not in charge of the world. You are only open, if you're willing, you can be shown a retranslation of the whole world from a linear world to a simultaneous world, you know, which is, is what the miracle does. It collapses time. So, let's see. Now it's, it's going to get a little bit livelier because you can see he's pretty hesitant about, he doesn't even want to play this game uh, and sign on the dotted line until he, he says, you can't expect me to do this 
until you give me some details, humor me with some specifics. I want to know what I'm getting myself into, and that's also playing into this no surprises. He wants to be in control of every single event that's going to come his way, because he believes that his peace of mind depends on controlling the world. And he's got plenty of money and plenty of power to try to enact his little personal will, his, his wish to be separate from God, his wish to be separate from the Creator. He's got all the means and the mechanisms that the ego has invented, and they're right at his fingertips. He's, not, he's far from homeless. He's, he's far from helpless. He's far from powerless. In reality, you know, he, he's closer than he knows, but in his mind, he is in charge. And now the Holy Spirit has to find a way to start to show him that, that what he thinks of as himself and the world is not what it seems to be. This is how our spiritual journey goes. If any of us knew what we were getting into, if any of us had the slightest clue of how deep the rabbit hole goes, if any of us had really known what A Course in Miracles was about when we first picked it up, we would not have continued, probably. Uh, and this is, a, this is how the Holy Spirit works. There he gets a gift from his brother, He's curious, he goes through some tests, he wants to know some answers, but he doesn't realize that, that uh, his mind is about to be, to be cleared, or the process of clearing the mind and bringing up the unconscious guilt. Uh, nobody talks about this. I mean, uh, I studied psychology in undergrad and grad school, and uh, admittedly, I'd studied the whole range of psychologies, but no, when I was in psychology, they really didn't really do much to present much about humanistic psychology and certainly not transpersonal psychology. I had to learn about Sigmund Freud and B.F. Skinner. I called it rat psychology. You know, the psychology I took was not preparing me for anything like the CRS game. And then you learn some things, you start to have a little bit of a feeling in your heart that there's some meaning behind this world. And then, yeah, with The Course in Miracles, it's like it is, I don't know, it reminds me of this, again, the amusement park that I used to go to. And I remember it took a while to get me to go on The Beast, but there was this one ride, and I would look at it, and it, would, it, was, it was centrifugal force. So they, they put people in into this cylinder, and then um, the cylinder starts moving, and it presses the bodies against the side of the cylinder as the, as the thing goes around faster and faster and faster. I'm just watching this. And, and then the floor drops out. That's kind of like it is with the course. You, you get engaged in it, you're going, you're trusting, and then the force begins, you find yourself held, and then all of a sudden the floor drops out. That's called the rotor, I think that was the name of that ride. I never did do the rotor. 
I did. I was like, no way. I'm, I did the beast, but I'm not going on the rotor. I'm not having the floor come out from under me. I'm sorry. So this is kind of where he is, where he's he's just adapted and adjusted to the world. He's he's powerful. He's got money. He's taken over his dad's company after his dad committed suicide, and he's got still feelings about that. Reminded from time to time, they break through, especially on his 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 forty eighth birthday, which is a reminder to him that his dad killed himself. His dad was also a businessman, and his dad killed himself on his 48th birthday. So he's a little bit like wondering about that, like what what is my life path on? I don't think he's really happy, if you can tell. But he does, he has convinced himself he's in control. And so that's where we're at at this point. He's just opened up to uh, the possibility of this game. Once, where I once was blind, now I can see. He's told uh, that's the meaning of the game. And you might say, in, in some sense, where I once was blind with the ego, the Christ vision will enable me to see, truly. Uh, with spiritual vision, I will finally not be blind. That's an interpretation of that Bible passage, you know, from what we're talking about with the Course in Miracles. Okay. This is pretty similar to in the beginning of the game because the first thing that happens when he comes home and they have this clown there right where his father had, had jumped off the top of the building and committed suicide and then you know he reacts and brings the clown in and everything. It, it begins disrupting his routine. So this is a pretty common uh, tactic with the Holy Spirit. Because when you have a set routine and you've ordered and constructed your life in a particular way, then you can start to believe in the rituals of, of daily life because the more you repeat certain rituals, the more you start to get a sense of stability. But it's just through repetition of actions. You know, uh, I saw a video recently with um, Jason Silva, and he was talking about um, spontane spontaneity and curiosity and, and things that happen that are seemingly out of pattern. Uh, and, and a lot of these things happen uh, because the Spirit has to start to disrupt the belief that you are completely in control. I mean, now the pandemic is a great example of that. In 2019, uh, nobody thought the world would be going around wearing masks and and going through uh, lockdowns and quarantines. And nothing was seen coming in 2020. There wasn't a lot of indicators of, of how this would play out in 2020. But it definitely has disrupted a lot of patterns. And that's one of the things that, that the Spirit has to do because the Spirit has to somehow get the attention of the mind, and also it's part of a teaching that, that you aren't so in control of your daily life and the world as you think you are. And the pandemic is doing a pretty good job of, of showing that. And in his case, he's coming home, same route home, he's got his electric opener, the gates open, he comes zooming in, and then 
he's already thinking a bit about his father uh, committing suicide for 48 years ago, or, or when he was 48 years old, and then same house, and then now he sees this thing in the in the driveway. That's the beginning of disrupting his routine. That's that's the first sign that there's something something that's is going to change. It's like foreshadowing. And then when he gets inside, he brings the clown in, and he's watching the TV, and then, then the disruptions start even more. Now he's to his next business day, he's got a deal he's going to try to work with, and he's, his CRS pen spills ink all over his shirt. And you can see he likes everything clean, ordered, pressed, He's in control. He likes to be in control. And all of this is set up to, to show him basically that he's not. That he's not in control, but that, that it's okay. That he's still safe. He's, he's, he's just made up this illusion of control and now he believes his peace of mind and his happiness is based on the control. So. Okay, we're, we're getting ready to go, but this, that's just a common way that, that the patterns have to be broken up a little bit because until the patterns start to be broken up and loosened a little bit, then the mind actually believes that, that things in time and space involving the body and relationships and things are its safety and are its security. And it needs to be shown that that's not the case and then it has to crack open a little bit to be shown what, what actually, where is my safety, where is my security. If it's not in the world, and the things of the world, then where is it? So that's what the spiritual journey is all about. Okay, you, you're starting to get a little bit of a sense that the way the game is playing out, it's kind of exposing his defense mechanisms. Anywhere he would lie or feel embarrassed or cover something up in small little daily interactions, like that business interaction he was having earlier with Anson. He went there basically to fire him, uh, to take his company away from him, and you know to be very direct with him. And then he couldn't get his briefcase open. And then now it seems like he's been put in some situations where... He's way out of his routine, way out of his rituals, way out of his sphere of control, his illusory sphere of control that he believes he has as, a, as an investment banker and very well-known, famous, and all these different, all the perks. And he thinks like he's, everything's in control. And now things are, are playing out in the sense that he's definitely losing his uh, sense of control to a small degree, but he's still got the, the protectionism. He's, he's worried, that's why even with his, his uh, brother Conrad, you know, he was making fun at that first lunch that they had about, you know, about not finishing school and, and not following through with things and smoking when nobody smokes in in the hotels like that in uh, San Francisco and all these things. Now, those same little mechanisms that are part of his everyday routines and personalities are getting exposed. You know, CRS with all the testing. But actually, we could say for us, 
That's why when we move through time and space, there's a lot difference between talking the talk and walking the walk. You know, we, we heard that from Socrates recently in a movie, Peaceful Warrior. There's a big difference between like walking the talk and talking the talk. So this is pretty common for a lot of times for people where they're, they're talking a good game about how they think should be and how their life should be and what they want and so on and so forth. But then when certain circumstances come along, then that really, you get to really see in this world of time and space what you actually do believe without the assumptions of the ego, without the beliefs of the ego, then things can start to clear up and run smoothly. But as long as there's unconscious assumptions that you have about the nature of the world, the nature of your identity, the nature of, of how things work in the world, then basically the ride of, of the spiritual journey, what they call down the rabbit hole uh, in the matrix, is, is one of undoing, is one of sometimes contrast experiences or experiences that show you that things aren't as they seem. It's really like every day as you go through this world of time and space, the day that unfolds is really an answer to the question, what do I believe about myself? The day that you experience as you go through time and space is basically an acting out in the dream of what I believe about myself. So in one sense that should be good news because if I'm not even sure what I believe about myself, then the, the interactions that I seem to have in time and space will show me what I believe. If I believe in rejection, I will perceive rejection situations, I will interpret situations. If I'm not sure of who I am, that must mean I'm not sure of who my brothers and sisters are either, because they're just reflections of what's going on in my state of mind. If I have self-doubt about who I am, then the world reflects that doubt. If I have fears that I'm still harboring and holding in my mind, even if they're unconscious fears, the world will play those out. So in one sense, the world's just doing what it was made to do. It's just, it's made to be a projection of beliefs. And while the ego says, yeah, I told you you were guilty, see? <laughs> Here, here's the evidence, see you're guilty, see you're unworthy, see you're not enough, see that you don't measure up. If you believe those things, then the world simply is the game that acts those things out. And, and really, the, it's good news in the sense that that's like feedback. That's like a direct feedback loop to what you believe in your mind. What you perceive in the world is what you believe in your mind. If you spot it, you got it. If you believe it, you perceive it. And this movie is showing that in kind of an extreme way. But, in the beginning of the movie we could say that through the self-concept, uh, that the mind, the sleeping mind is trying to use that character of Nicholas Van Orden and the, the control. He seems to be in charge of a lot of things and, and there can be people that are disruptive like Anson who 
was saying, I was a friend of your father's, don't you? If he knew what you were doing now, my father, you know, I'm losing millions of dollars and you're talking about my father. He's still trying to maintain that self-concept of in control, making money, achieving things, having everything in the world, in his personal life under control. And already now things are starting to to really uh, show up in a dismantling way. So, so we'll see. He's, he's obviously started his game, even though he thought he would have a choice, an option, whether to play the game or not. Actually, uh, this game, if you believe in it, it's not optional. Um, Jesus says, everyone who comes here uh, organizes the world they perceive based on a belief system. And nobody comes here without a belief system. I've heard some people tell me, well, that's nice and good what you're telling me, David, but I don't have any beliefs, <laughs> they tell me. And it's like, <laughs> well, okay, you can say you don't have any <laughs> beliefs, but everyone who comes to time and space has an ego belief and then organizes the world according to that belief system. And that's what the self-concept is that was made to take the place of the Christ. It's, a, it's an organized belief system that somehow, with God's help, with the grace of God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, that can be unraveled and undone. But everyone perceives exactly what they believe. And everyone who believes they're in a body believes in the ego and believes in time and space. So in this case, we're seeing how the undoing can seem to look for an investment banker who thinks he's in charge of, of his world. And he's discovering day by day, uh, and scene by scene, he's starting to realize he's, he is not in control. So you can, you can see when the mind goes into fear, it gets, it gets very suspicious. First, he ex is suspicious about Anson, the man uh, that, that he was firing before. And he goes barging in at the family dinner with the wife and the daughter, and he is laying out all of his accusations and pointing the finger and, and threatening and all these things. And then Anson says, yeah, I signed, I signed with your lawyer. You know, I'm going sailing. And then this is where all these assumptions come in, that when the mind's going through the dismantling, the ego will just keep pointing the finger at people, things, circumstances, because it's so sure that it's a victim of the world. He's so sure that he was in control of that world, and now he's so sure that he is a victim of the world that he sees. He's so positively sure that the world, that there's something behind it. There are people out to get him. The game is out to get him. People that he deals with in, in his daily life that he meets. Now, he sees these photographs that he feels were planted, and now he sees a red bra on, on this woman, and then he remembers, oh yeah, Christina, she took that shower and she was wearing the red bra. So now he's calling up and he's saying, find out the, what cab company we do, do we use. I want you to find out 
this Christina. You see how this is a good example of looking for external sources. He's quite suspicious. Even Jesus says in the text of A Course in Miracles, he says, he said, you never should analyze the motives of others. Uh, because you always judge, analyze the motives of others with the ego. In other words, you have to use the ego to analyze the motives of others. And why would we even attempt to analyze the motives of others except we're suspicious of our brothers and sisters. We're suspicious that they're out to get us. In fact, Jesus goes into great detail. Uh, he says in the Course, in the text, he said, your brother, you believe your brother took something from you and hid it in his body. So you're always suspicious of brothers and sisters because you think they took something, they stole something that is rightfully yours. And this is just a projection of the belief that uh, on God, that somehow God stole something, God was uh, an ab great abandoner, God abandoned me, God rejected me, God turned, turned away from me, God set me out on this God-forsaken planet of, of death and murder, and now there's a pandemic, oh my God, what next? Earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, politicians, deception, and, and the whole thing is a projection of the mind. It's just a, a game that the mind has set up, but given to the Holy Spirit, it will just show the mind what it believes, so it can let go of the beliefs. What a, what a great uh, saving grace that the, that the world can be used to, to let go of the beliefs that you, you still hold on to in your mind. I mean, in one sense, the world's doing a favor. In fact, Jesus even says that about your brother. He says, the only appropriate reaction to your brother is gratitude, <laughs> is full appreciation. That's the only appropriate reaction to your brother, is gratitude and full appreciation. Why? Because your brother, your sister are mirroring what's going on in your mind and you need help. You know, unless you feel like you want to do the meditation route of maybe meditate 15 hours a day and go on the mountain and try to take that route, which Jesus, Jesus calls tedious and time-consuming, he's giving us a fast track, mirroring, reflections, everywhere. Everywhere you look is mirrors, mirrors, mirrors. Everything's a mirror. So, so this is the point right now where he still is, he has believed that he's a victim of the world, but he thought he was in control, that he had, he had come up with an antidote for that victim belief, and it's called control. <laughs> Money, power, you know, being in charge is, is an ego tactic, so the mind can believe it's in charge of the world, but still it doesn't realize that it's, it's all happening in the mind. So this is kind of, this whole movie is like an acceleration of that. So we'll see, at this point he's, he has a few moments of humbleness that pop in there where he realizes, like with Anson, he had some kind of conspiracy theory going on in his mind that Anson was doing this to try to threaten him. And, and he was completely mistaken about that. 
He's already been completely mistaken about a number of things, but he still believes he can call his lawyer, he can marshal the forces, and he's going to get to the bottom of whatever's happening in this world and with this game. And yet, until he starts to have an inkling that it's his mind, that he's doing it to himself, then he's in, he's in total attack and defense mode, except that he actually believes that attacks and revenge and threats and all these fear tactics will actually work. So he's firing off all of his ego fear tactics and the game is reflecting them all back to him. And it's one of these intense situations where the mind tries to use the ego tactics to solve the problem and it actually seems to make the problem worse. And it, as Louise Hay used to say, it's, it, on the spiritual journey it will seem to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> that was a little advice from Louise Hay. And yeah, it, when you have a lot of unconscious beliefs and you haven't, haven't faced them and you aren't even aware of what they are, then it does seem to get worse before it gets better. Okay. So what does he do when he gets out of the water? He gets his lawyers and the police. Is he ready to forgive or is he going to keep using the mechanisms that the ego made up to try to escape? You see, for, he's saying, I am a wealthy man. He's saying to the taxi driver, I am a wealthy man, I will pay you. Whatever they're paying you, I'll pay you double. You know, he, he, they, one time he was asked, you know, who, Christina asked, who are you? And he gave his full, whole name. He, it's like, as long as the mind takes the world to be a reality, then the only choice the mind has is to react and respond to the images as they are presented. If, if they are taken to be real, then the only choice the mind believes it has is to interpret and react and respond to them as if they are real. And yet, you know, just like that movie Sphere, that's part of our Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment, you know, where it's an underground thing and one of the guys, uh, Samuel Jackson, is thinking of a big, I think it's a squid, a giant squid, a, a sea monster, you know, they start to realize in that movie that, that the power of their mind is so strong that what they think and they imagine is what they experience. And so, in this case, you know, he thinks he, thinks he can just kick back and lean back there in the taxi cab because he's, he's in San Francisco, he's hopped in a taxi, now he's going to go home. He's going back to his home. And, and you missed a turn, you missed a turn. It just comes, keeps coming at him and everything. But I think the thing that's important to see about this is, is like when he came home to his house, he just got angry. And then even those, those pictures that were planted about uh, Daddy and Eternal Dream, it was almost like that was an insult to his family, insult to his biological father. They graffitied the his house they had you know done all these things and then you can see the anger just rising up then he's like throwing the papers around he's he's 
calling them names. He's just in getting into the rage of the blame game. And basically, Jesus is saying, you cannot even seem to get angry unless you believe that something is being done to you apart from your will. That's like the core, it's one of the core conditions. Somebody has done something, has said something that is not according to my will. It's as if the mind has played this game. The ego says there's a dream you dream in secret and the dream you gave away. And the dream you gave away is just going to seem to come at your person, personality, continually, day after day, year after year, decade after decade. It's just going to keep coming at you. And you, the ego, it says, you have to combat this by using defense mechanisms. Insurance, security, it could be anything. It could be diet, it can be exercise, it can be guns, it can be all kinds of sophisticated psychological and physical defense mechanisms to protect the hero of the dream, the body, and all of that just keeps the, the game going. It, only forgiveness will work. Only forgiveness. That's the only way out, so to speak, of, of this world, is only through forgiveness. And again, forgiveness is Jesus is teaching it in the Course, which is, you have to look at what you believe to be real. Because as long as you believe it, you will perceive it. And if you believe you're a victim, you'll perceive it in terms of the world. If you believe in fear, you'll perceive it. Guilt, perceive it. So at this point, um, he has used his little next piece of the game. He found his little door handle and he's like, it's a game. It's a game. He even had the presence as, the, as he's going down in the water to think, it's a game, it's a game. But, oh, and then as soon as he thought of the game, he thought of his game piece that he had. Not, not a key this time, but it was a, a door handle and, and he used it. And yet, until the mind considers forgiveness, then you can see where it just, as long as the projection continues, then the perpetuation of the hidden guilt that's underneath the game just continues as well. Okay, here we go. He's coming now with, uh, he's coming up to CRS, going up to the elevator, he's bringing the cops, he's bringing the lawyer, and he's going he's gonna to confront um, CRS. Let's see what happens. Okay, just when you think it can't get any worse, you find yourself buried alive in Mexico. Yes, the Holy Spirit and Jesus love to use Mexico. They really do, to break that self-concept. They love you so much <laughs> that here he is, especially sent to Mexico. And, you know, you notice he was gasping for air and then he burst out of the, co the coffin that's in the kind of crypt in the cemetery. But, you know, this, to me, this is very symbolic of, of the dedication and the devotion it takes to overcome the belief in death. Because that's what this is. This whole world is a world of, of death. But you see how far he's come out of his comfort zone from his mansion and his high-tech gear and his car and his, uh, this giant building that he works in. 
uh, in San Francisco, now into a, a graveyard in Mexico. Uh, buried alive in a graveyard in Mexico. That, that just shows you to the extent that the Holy Spirit will go to, to save you from the, the belief in, in death. So now it's, it's good in the sense, now he's really been stripped down. He's, he's been peeled. The onion has been peeled. And he's getting much closer to his breakthrough, his miracle moment. But it, it shows you that when Jesus says you go through the darkness to the light, this has like been a really peeling of the onion of, of self-concept power, control, money, all the different things that he believed he had. So, okay, here we go. We're, it's it's going to start looking up here, I think. He's ready for some miracles. He's ready, you know, are you ready for a miracle? Like that song, are you ready for a miracle? Ready for my love. Dun, dun, dun. Are you ready for a miracle? Here we go. This is, I mean, I, that was my soundtrack in my mind. But, you know, you have to have your own soundtrack in your mind too. But, but here we go. Let's see what, how, he, how he gets pulled up out of this. Okay, that's all it took to bring him together with his wife. <laughs> Don't think the Holy Spirit won't go to great lengths to heal a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't care how far apart you are, whether the communication's broken or whatever, no problem. But so now you see, he comes to Elizabeth, his ex-wife, who he didn't have much nice to say about at the beginning of the movie, but actually he's saying, I need to borrow a car. <laughs> so you have to see the humor in this whole thing in the sense that everything that you seem to need to open up and communicate, to join, to connect, to reach out, even in cases where he was, he was quite disinterested in society, he was quite disinterested in his ex-wife, he's not so interested in his brother, um, he, he uh, Il, Ilsa, you know, he's, he's has a little bit of connection with the 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 one who helps who helps uh, cook him his meals and and different things at the house. But you can see, no matter how it has to start, the Holy Spirit will bring home the lesson of connection, of joining, and communication. It doesn't matter really how far gone it seems to be in the illusion. It still has to start. You know, even when you feel like you've bottomed out and you've hit rock bottom and that there's only one way to go and that's up in consciousness and up in awareness, then that's exactly how, how it works. Because Jesus says even in the Course that no one who's even come to this world hasn't really had some glimmering or some experience that there's, there's something more, you know. No matter how dark it seems to be, no matter how black it seems to be, there's always this awareness that that there's something, there is help, and there is more. So at this point, you know he's still he's still scrambling a bit, but at least now he's turned. He went searching for his brother uh, Conrad, and now he's gone to Elizabeth's house because he needs to borrow a car. So it starts somewhere, but I, that's what I love about this movie. It's, it's like an extreme contrast, but then it's, it turns. It always turns around. 
So let's let's enjoy some miracles now. Let's start to see some miracles coming coming in at this point. Now that the he's been loosened from the grip of pride, he has a little room to let some miracles start to come in here. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, you get that Alice in Wonderland reference at the end of the movie and the song. Down the rabbit hole. That's another little sweet touch from the Holy Spirit. Go ask Alice. Well, that's it. That's, that's beautiful because that really shows the projection. <laughs> and it's kind of cool at the end that they're all actors and actresses. All just part of playing a part for exposing and releasing. Yeah. And he did have a big long hug with uh, Conrad there at the end and, and uh, Conrad kind of whispered to him, you were becoming such an asshole, I had to do something. <laughs> I don't know if you got that. That's what Conrad said to him as he hugged him, you know. In the sense that that was the birthday gift. The birthday gift is to, to take the mind away from the pride, away from the the I know mind, away from the the arrogance and the and all the conclusions and all the assumptions and all the expectations, and you can see how tight things can get. If you follow the ego, you follow the ego's curriculum, then it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. Even having a, a father, biological father who committed suicide, you know, it's, it just can be a very dark, dark dream sometimes. And, and it can seem to be winding in quite tight into the dark dream. But, but by the grace of God, there's always a, a way out no matter how long and convoluted and twisted that the ego interprets it, it's still, the Christ is there with us uh, at every turn, saying, my brother, choose again. My brother, forgive. I can forgive and I can see this differently. I can forgive and this will disappear. You know, it's the same, same for all of us, no matter how we perceive the world. So I'm just so grateful. That, that was quite quite an adventure. That was like going on the beast <laughs> at King's Island. That was a, a psychological beast, a, a psychological uh, roller coaster ride, is what what it was. There's Andy. Andy, I saw you smiling. You were really had a big grin in there in the, in the middle of the movie. <laughs> but it's that just shows like the. The beauty of, of no matter what seems to happen, no matter how things seem to go, the Spirit's, Holy Spirit's got our back. So let me uh, open it up. Uh, if you want to put up your hands or your digital hands, uh, Eric is, is there in the command central <laughs> up there in, uh, in Camus, and we can, you can share what you felt during the movie and, uh, if you saw any insights from from that rather extreme teaching example. <laughs> okay, great. I will go to Esther first. Go ahead, Esther. 
Thank you so much. Wow. This is the perfect timing for me. Um, my mom and I are still handling her affairs. And um, today I planned to show her some documents. And um, the I Know Mind was coming out a lot and expectations and assumptions. And it was getting tighter and tighter. She, we called a lawyer, a friend of hers to do uh, certain parts of it and I was arguing with her what parts was gonna the lawyer was gonna do while we were on the phone with the secretary and she even I planned this whole day and she went with a taxi to um to a location that we usually go tomorrow and I'm at her apartment and thank god I had the key and it's just like all these things are happening to show me that I just need to forgive and not and not like and I and I and I, I said to her, you know, that she was wrong and stupid for, I mean, I didn't say it outright, but that's what I was implying when she went with the taxi to, to, to go on this errand that was, was, was just made up in her mind for today. So I, I, I just need some help because I still think it's the behavior that has to be fixed. And I, I'm aware that the, the um, I'm aware that I'm uncomfortable. I'm aware that, that, uh, I'm feeling tighter and tighter. I'm aware that I'm yelling at her while we're on a call. I'm, I'm aware, but there's, I'm, I, I feel there's another step that you're talking about. And I just don't know what I can contribute into my mind, a specific train of thought with forgiveness in mind that, that I won't fall for this ego thing all the time and yell at her and, and, what I really want to get done and I know it would if I just step back and, and see that everything's perfect. <laughs> Please help me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Esther. Thank you. I think the scene that's coming to mind that, that probably would be most helpful for you is that time when, um, when Conrad gets in the car with Nicholas and they're driving and um, then Conrad starts freaking out and his behavior seems like more uh, out of control as the world would judge it. And then um, he grabs, opens the glove compartment and there's all these keys and then he, he freaks out. And then he leaves. He just says, I'm out of here. And then after Nicholas chases him and chases him and chases him, then, then that's when, actually when Nicholas started shouting, so you could really start to see those thoughts that were underneath it. You know, when he started shouting at Conrad, oh yeah, I'm, I'm responsible. And all, you know, I thought there's that one scene, maybe like 20 seconds, where he shouts and shouts, and all the private thoughts that he's been thinking about their relationship that made it strained were just pouring out of his mouth as he was just shouting and shouting. And... So it's kind of, it goes that, that way in the dream where sometimes like, like you have this sense of love and connection with your mother, but then there's these situations involving lawyers signing papers and, and for yourself you can notice maybe there's a, a sense of you have a, a strong outcome uh, the way you want, want it to go. We've talked about this on, on successive Wednesday, Wednesday nights. This is becoming one of our Wednesday night themes. Of there's, there's an outcome that you've associated with your mother with safety for yourself. 
safety, security, and then that's the only reason that you would kind of interpret, put such a focus on your, your mother's behavior, uh, on what she's doing. And that's where the, the emotions and the, the shouting can come out. And, and so now with this movie and with that scene in particular I'm talking about, you can just say, oh my gosh, this, that whole scenario with my mother was just for me to get in touch with what my thoughts were and what my motives were under the surface. And this is my way of, that scene with your mother wasn't, you don't have to carry guilt with it or whatever, you can just see that it was just exposing the underlying thoughts that's underneath the scene. Because it's never what's happening that's disturbing, it's always the interpretation underneath. That's where we feel the guilt. We feel the guilt because of the interpretation. So, I think from this movie tonight, it can show you a lot of things. It just starts to show you more of an inroads into the mind. Like, wow, I really had an investment in this day going a certain way. I had a scenario in my mind that I thought it would be nice if mom went along and played her part perfectly and then now you're realizing that she did not she did not play the part the way that the ego wrote it out in your mind. You had her much being much more well behaved <laughs> and just saying, Oh yes, Esther, of course, what would you what would you like me to do? Where would you like me to sign? Oh no, I don't need to call my lawyers. I trust you completely, Esther. You know, you you had like a scenario that you, we'll call it an ideal scenario that the ego had in your mind, and then what played out was so much at variance to the, the ego's ideal scenario for mom that, that Jesus says, can you see that she is, she is not playing the role that you assigned because the Spirit is trying to show you something more important <laughs> than, than that role, which is which is to forgive, which is to have peace. And admittedly, even in this movie, it doesn't come till the very end. <laughs> but we hung in there, we hung in there through the whole thing, waiting for the punchline, you know, where they all, they all applaud, they all cheer, they all, they all wish him well, and they all just played their parts out, but only for him to release the... Uh, the expectation, uh, he, he had a bundle of them. So can you see that? Can you see that that scene today was, a, was just for you to see the expectations? Yes. Um, she was, I, I was, it's not quite like you put it, but, but what's coming up for me is the, the unconscious guilt for myself that I want a power of attorney for me and I feel like the only time I could do it is if she's still living and I would have that arrangement occur while the whole process is being taken care of. And I was just scared to tell her that. Yeah, that's good though, because you raised that one Wednesday night too. That, that's good that you're in touch with that. You're in touch with that because that, you raised that before where you said, I, I really, really, really want this power of attorney. And um, 
I think when, as you learn to let go and relax a bit about things, that's when things start to show up as these beautiful, beautiful symbols. I, I was supposed to sign a power of attorney, uh, wasn't that with Susan? We were down in a law office here with uh, uh, our friend, um, what was it? Our, our Dentario friend came, he came, Luis came in and, and he looked at the thing I was supposed to sign and he said, no, David, no, you, you can't sign this. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, that this needs to be changed. It was his law office, his assistant that had drawn it up, but he shows up as an angel. I don't speak Spanish. The whole thing's in Spanish. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm just there to sign a paper, and then in walks the head of the whole law firm, uh, Luis, almost like a knight in shining, shining armor, to look. He's, he's like, David, hey, how you doing? How you doing? He wanted to talk about how, if I'm traveling, the pandemic, we have this loving relationship. And then, oh, by the way, he's looking, oh, no, don't sign this. It's his office, his assistant that prepared it. And then when his, his assistant goes out, he says, I don't know what, what's going on here, but they did not, you, you're, you're signing away. They can take everything of your whole uh, ministry over in, in Mallorca away. This lawyer could if she wanted to. He said, this should not be in here. So he rewrote, he got the lawyer from Spain, Madrid, on the line and rewrote the thing before I would sign it. Now that's what I call divine intervention. You know, I did not go in that, I don't even speak Spanish. I don't even know what it says. I'm just there to, Susan says, come David, sign, you need to sign this thing. I, I trust Susan, I trust the law firm. I'm there to sign it, and then this. But see, this is what I'm talking about just with the, the trust. It, when you come into that trusting state of mind, there still are things that have to be done, and admittedly, how in the world are we going to open up to, to the Kingdom of Heaven unless we trust? We start trusting our brothers and sisters, and trusting that whatever we need to, in this awakening, that it will be provided. So I think that's the, that's the story, that's the, the miracle right there, is that now that you've identified it like this, I need the power of attorney to feel safe. I need the power of attorney to feel secure. I need the power of attorney to feel peace. Uh, then, you know, that's where you can do a spiri or an instrument for peace on, and just get down to that root of, I, I need and expect this to be there for my happiness. And, and Jesus is just saying, no, 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 no. Trust me, it's not that that you need for peace of mind. So thank you. Thank you, Esther. It's always good. You always bring us a practical example right after the, right after the movie. Thank you. It's beautiful. I'll go to Stephen next. Go ahead, Stephen. There we go. Oh my gosh, David. Um, there's just too much here to even begin with. It's just, <laughs> you know, as much as I've seen this movie and I've loved this movie and it's been so helpful for me, 
tonight watching it with everybody and your commentary and just pulling my mind into catching catching all these uh, softballs and these gems being thrown that were really in there for me. Um, the, the, the music, the songs, um, her name, Claire, and and the, and, the, and the song playing while well when she spilled the red wine on on his shirt on uh, Nicholas's shirt was Claire de Lune. And it's from a poem that really is talking about the reflection, the, 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 the reflected light within the dream. It's only a reflected light, and our, our, our song, our beautiful song, is kind of muted and limited. But I thought that was, that was excellent. And she throws that name out there at the end of, like, Claire, here's your, here's your clarity. And here he is coming into that. I love the, the New Moon Cafe. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a new moon, and there was that, you know, we got to get rid of all the nonsense in our, in our mind. But there was just, just metaphor and theme and theme coming in. And especially for me, I've been talking about this um, specialness journey a lot lately and, and letting go of these ideas and getting tumbled around, frankly, and then trying to make it work and trying to rearrange the deck chairs in, in, in certain aspects of my dream. And just getting beat up left and right with that reflection of all this unconscious stuff coming back and then popping into awareness and then just becoming, frankly, quite frightened by, like, there's just no way this is going to work. There's no way out of here unless I really absolutely surrender all of it and and undertake this more um, sincerely, if you will, and, you know, Watching that play out in my dream, there's, there's, it's just fantastic. And, and yes, it's, it's, it's a nightmare in, in one respect. That seeing that here, playing it out, and everything getting undone. There, I love uh, your theme of the, the roller coasters, and it reminds me. I have this little joke book. Everybody knows this image. Probably seen it before. But letting go is all we have to hold on to, and it's uh, that picture of the Buddhist monks with their hands in the air. <laughs> this is a book that's just. Um, Jokes. This has Zen jokes in it that are funny, <laughs> but it reminds me of how I, I need to remind or be reminded. Just just approach it that way. Hands in the air. Let go. You're you're playing. You're in the game, and there's less a less and less desire to play the game and to be in the game and to uh, really genuinely wake up the game and to release release all the control mechanisms. Boy, that's me. I could see that as this character controlling, um, rearranging everything, getting things under control, simplifying my life, um, less, you know, dissipation of entropy, however we want to call it. But boy, I could see that so clearly. And I laugh now. Like I'll, I'll, I'll go over and I'll tip a picture just because it's not quite right. And I'll laugh. I'll chuckle. I'll say, oh, yeah, that's going to help. That will make all the difference in the world or all, whatever aspect is coming at me. I do get this laugh, but I see the desperation of the, the character-driven um, self uh, trying to, you know, get control of everything and, and keep it under control and then being dismantled. Uh, and so this movie for me was was so good. There was some humorous spots, and I won't go into all the metaphors that I, I saw and wrote down, but you you pick them up if you're, if, you're catch, if, you're, if you're cluing in. But one was when he says, I feel like a human piñata. And, I, and it reminded me of that cartoon that probably everybody's aware of where a piñata is on a psychiatrist's couch. And he says, and you know, the sick thing is, is I actually enjoy it. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, there's that unconscious desire, that attraction to guilt, um, that, that desire to uh, the obstacles to peace. The first one being the desire to get rid of it. And we're attracted to this thing, you know, and then the body for what it can bring us and all of that. So I see these playing out so clearly um, and they're just popping through. So this movie was for me, there's no question about it in my mind. 
And then I love being able to share this echo back of what I'm picking up. And one of the things that I thought was funny, you'll get a kick out of this, I think, it's the, um, the, the red bra. I mean, that was so funny. And he has the picture, and he's showing Christine the red bra. And he says, the bra, the red bra. And she says, what makes you think this is me? And, 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 and so in his mind, he sees nothing. He doesn't see her face, the face of Christ. He sees the form. He sees the red bra. So he makes the assumption that that's her because his attention and perception was, was only on the form and nothing so blinding as perception of form. So he makes that assumption that that was her. And I thought that made me think about that Joseph Campbell, the hero's archetype, the journey, where you have woman um, as temptress. And, and that's where the, the, the form is objectified. You're seeing subject object. So the woman uh, is symbolically the, the temptation. And there's only one. It's the tempt the son of God to believe that he's a body. So he's going to be attracted to bodies and see bodies everywhere. And opposites attract. So there, there's the hell of it. And then the hero goes on a little bit and starts to see woman as goddess. And that's where that form becomes not objective but becomes subject. It's a quantum, it's the quantum realization that, that what you're seeing is the, the, the mind, the goddess, and then that leads to the atonement with the Father. But I love how that played out here and all these other things, all these um, quips and, and uh, oh, the one where she said, well, no, it's, it's, a, it's a con. A lot of David Fincher stuff in here with Revolver. No, it's a con game. You're in a game and it's a con. And she tells him there at the end that, that it was just a bunch of special effects that you're, and I thought, boy, that's, that's true, that the entire landscape, the entire quantum mirror, it's just special effects, it's, spe it's specifics, it's a special relationship being reflected until you release it. So, man, thank you so much. This is so fun, and, and it's, good, it's good therapy here to come in and to hear this and to get that reflection be in the in the tumble the tumble world the roller coaster world of seeing these emotions come up seeing all this unconscious stuff come up and just be in my face and I'm thinking okay good good gut punch good let's look at it let's look at that oh gosh I got to take a hundred percent responsibility there's no equivocation here a hundred percent and man when I do that I, I get the answer and the last thing the, the song in the taxi when he's speeding off was call me was that song, Whenever You Need Me, Just Call Me. And that's such a beautiful song for all of us. And I had the lyrics pulled up, and I said, yeah, that's exactly right. We can just call on the Holy Spirit, and then he's going down panicking, and then there's the doorknob. There's the golden doorknob, or the window knob. And I thought, there it is. There's the key. There's the golden window, and it's just call me. Just call me. So anyway, this is fun stuff. Another um, grand slam here for me. And um, I, 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 No, man, I got I got notes and notes of good stuff, but I'm going to shut up because there's people that want to talk here. But thanks, David. Thanks yeah. to everybody. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm glad you always pull out a lot of nuances. And I was just thinking of that time when he went to Christine's apartment and he saw the saint with the head on down there and he picked the head up and he put it back on the saint. Uh, which these little glimmers, and then at the end, I really like that too, where you know he 's interested in in christine what 's your real name, Claire, which you caught that, and then her her saying she has to go, but she, if you want to come with me to the airport for a cup of coffee, 
And then they they end the movie that way. That's the way they ended Family Man, where they they have they're having a cup of coffee at the airport. Uh, that's the same open ending of okay. Now now the adventure continues. Now the assignment continues. Even after all that with Christine, Claire, and now an invitation. And here, Mister Structure, Mister Plan, everything, Mister Control. She's like saying, come with me for a cup of coffee at the airport. And then they end the movie, you know, like, there you go. Opportunity strikes. After all of that, they, they leave the Fincher, the, the movie he made, he leaves it wide open uh, for, the, for the next assignment, for the next thing. And that's just a great commentary on the miracle with all that. No matter how much you feel you've been drugged through... The Ringer, and this movie is drugged through the Ringer, no doubt. It ends with an openness, uh, and he's he's open, and he's definitely changed <laughs> character transformation. You know, it's a tough nut to crack, but leave it to the Holy Spirit to crack that nut. You know, that ego nut. So, thank you, Stephen. Always great, always insightful. Thank you, thank you. Okay, I'll go to Dennis next, there in Camas. Go ahead, Dennis. Okay, hi. Hi, Dennis. Uh, hi. You know, I've been sitting here being a little bit anxious because I really didn't know the full story. As I was sitting here, Spirit just gave it to me. And what I've been, what the last couple of days I've been noticing People leaving things, crumbs, or leaving things undone, or a knife, dirty knife left on the counter, and that kind of stuff, and, and just a little bit of, just a tiny little bit of uh, irritation. And, and uh, this morning, um, I felt, in the morning meeting, I felt like the, I, there was a lack of control going on. And I felt like, uh-oh, <laughs> I could feel the, the, the anxiety in, in that. And uh, same, and I just had to, the, I ended the meeting with, okay, and then I showed this uh, cutting board table with a knife and, and the, the board was dirty. And uh, <clears throat> so I left it at that. Then I got these, the, the projections out coming back to me, uh, complaining about this, complaining about that. And then I felt more of the anxiety, more of the frustration and, and the feeling out of control because most of the time I'm not having a problem with that kind of stuff. Then I found out that somebody else who had been cleaning those things up for everybody else stopped doing that, stopped cleaning the rags in the house and that kind of stuff. So I cleaned the rags. And uh, I could see, oh, I'm just doing the same thing that she was doing, just kind of making up for people. Um, and in a sense, that she's trying to get rid of the people-pleasing, and I could see myself jumping right into that role. And uh, no, 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 no. And, <clears throat> but it was, it was, and also the focus became on, oh, I'm, I'm, there's, there's not this control going on. I thought things were going fine, but look at this and uh, started getting into the frustration, irritation with it. 
And then the today's lesson, it's only myself that I can crucify. <laughs> and that's, that's what my mind was doing, is crucifying me throughout the day. And uh, <clears throat> as I was sitting here, I got the, the, the part of the, the picture I haven't talked about is that um, what I'm seeing is that some people are getting overwhelmed with just being here and they're running to the rooms or they're saying that they're too tired. And that's what I've done in the past. I just go isolate, be tired, try to sleep, get away from it all and not pick on, take on the responsibility and whatever it was that's going on. And I could see that and feel that. And that was just again, pointing back to me, showing me that that's where I have been in the end at times. Um, so that's as much as I can say about it all. Oh, it was, in the midst of that, there's this kind of, uh, in the midst of the movie, I could feel the emotions wanting to come up. <laughs> God damn, man, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and it's especially at the end. Oh, my God. you you got to be kidding me. You did this all? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> but I could see Michael Douglas being able to let go. And not only let go, but connect with people and get out of the ego. And, and uh, yeah, that, that release from the grips of eagles. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. I think... I've been feeling very strong in the past few days that it's like, that's why there's so many, that's the psychology of, that's built into A Course in Miracles, where, you know, many centuries ago there wasn't the sense of projection and the full extent of what that is. And now, with a, the Course, Jesus is really showing us the dynamics of, of projection and of the, just the focus it takes to allow those emotions to come up and then to to face the grievance you might say to face the grievance in the mind uh, it is but myself that I can crucify you need to face that and then it take that's where the uh, devotion the attention comes in where and then you get to notice the defense mechanisms oh I just want to go to my room uh, you know wanting to get away wanting to isolate that's valuable too because you know, it's when you're sharing a purpose, it starts to shine a light on a lot of things that before were just kind of, you know, kept as as just the way things are. And now it's the, that dedication to healing and to forgiving. So thank you for bringing that to to bear with our talk tonight, because that was a good example. You know, you're the steward, but you're noticing things, and then you're bringing it back to your mind. And just say, you know, am I pleasing here, or, or am I going to forgive these judgments and interpretations that I'm having in my mind? That's it. That's, that's the practical application. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'll go to uh, Robert there at the monastery next. Can unmute yourself, Robert. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Robert. Um, okay, do I, uh, how do I get David on the screen? 
Should I go to Hi. Gallery? Hi, Robert. Do you see me now? Yeah, okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, greetings from the monastery, everybody here. Hey. Hi. <laughs> I love those pictures, love those photos from the monastery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, gosh, you know, I remember seeing this movie um, back in the 90s when it came out. And, you know, back then I was at a <laughs> kind of a young, impressionable age. And I was just like, I just got so caught up in the victimhood. And I just fell down that rabbit hole. And I was just, I, I walked away from that movie, you know, kind of crushed. I was like, man, how could they be doing those things to this poor guy? You know, it's like falling down that rabbit hole. And I saw this movie tonight, and I mean, I was laughing, and I was like, yeah, cheering, and it's like just totally different experience, all just the total opposite, you know, and it's just, it's just so wonderful to watch these, I, I, it's, to watch these movies with you and, you know, to see it from a Holy Spirit perspective, and it's, it's really just, it, it expands it wide open for me. And I, uh, <laughs> I'd like to acknowledge uh, Dennis's beautiful expression. You know, as steward here at the monastery, I can relate exactly to what he's always saying. Um, I've I've gone through much of those exact same things myself here, and, you know, and I I just uh, I, I just got to keep reminding myself I don't know what awakening looks like. You know, I, there's a certain point I try to uphold the guidelines, but you get too rigid in the structure. And spirit just laughs at you, and you're like, "No, that's not it." <laughs> All right, <laughs> you know, it's just it's, it's like best laid plans. I mean, they, 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 this whole this whole movie is just such a beautiful uh, eye opener to just like how you know nothing's in control. I mean, you 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 try to control things. The ego dupes dupes me into thinking I can control things, and it's like you know stuff happens, and it's like I I control nothing. You know, it's just so. It's just so beautiful how that happens. And I mean, just, you know, not taking things so seriously. I mean, just, you know, the, the symbology of how this is all a dream. I mean, it, in the movie, it was a practical joke or, you know, the game as they call it. But it's just, you know, what you think is real and what you think is serious and important is nothing. I mean, it's literally nothing. You know, and it's just really, you can, you can really go deep with those concepts. I mean, it's really beautiful for illustrating that. Um, you know, that uh, at the end, when he jumped off that uh, skyscraper, uh, that, that just uh, kind of took me back to the movie, The Peaceful Warrior and that tower scene where he let the ego go. And I, I know, I mean, the movies were a little bit different. He jumped off the tower because of guilt and the other one jumped off the tower because he's letting go of the ego. But uh, for me, the symbology is just kind of jumping into co-living, <laughs> you know, just going all in. It's like, here I am. I'm not coming back and just <laughs> through the glass ceiling. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's just kind of, uh, kind of where my mind is right now. You know, it's like, there's no going back now. It's, oh. you know, it's just uh yeah, it's just it's just beautiful, um, and I'd, I'd like to mention uh, the uh, coffee at the end, where she invited him to a coffee at the airport, and I was just I kind of laughed at that. I was thinking that's like a perfect 
symbol of forgiveness because the last time she gave him coffee, she drugged him and he woke up in Mexico. <laughs> so, 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 okay, let's go have coffee in there. <laughs> you know, and, and he went along. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> but, you know, it's, I mean, the, the way that it seems like he was just crushed and he lost everything in the world and then he was restored at the end to what he was and he, he made all this great uh, progress. You know, it just reminded me of that Bible verse, um, seek ye first the Lord and all else will be added unto you. You know, it's like, you know, you can, you can have all these things. It doesn't really matter. They're, you know, they're not real anyway, but just, you know, now you know what's important. And you could like really open up and just try to break up that self-concept and old patterns and stuff. And I mean, it's, it's you know, it's just a beautiful movie. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I kind of, and I know people always go on about how difficult forgiveness is, and for me, it's been difficult at times. But I kind of look at, of course, the miracles as being like an easy path. You know, just like it's, if you really embrace the concepts, you really have no reason not to be light and joyous. And I mean, it's just, I mean, I know it takes mind training. I didn't always find it easy, but if the the, the end result of the teaching is just such lightness and joy, you know, and I, I just kind of see it as, I mean, if, if I can just forgive as much as possible, I won't have to go through all this crap that, you know, the movie depicts. I mean, all those, all the trouble and betrayal and getting shot at and stolen from and it's like all these things, these, these all represent lifetimes to me, you know, and if I can just forgive it. And um, I think someone here said, I think it was Lynn. So someone said um, that, but who was that lady who said that uh, quote you said about if you feel only love, you win. Yeah, but uh, she was saying that Byron Katie said that when you um when you're when you uh, come up against hatred and anger and you're being protected on and all you feel is love then you know that you've arrived you know because that's like kind of like the acid test you know you're just so good at forgiving you know it's okay you know, it doesn't matter and i mean that's that's really the experience that i'm after and uh this this movie just kind of was a great uh you know representation of that for me i mean as always i thank you for this opportunity and doing such a great job with these movies. Really appreciate it. Mm, thank you. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, you know, I can give you the original context. Some people know this about about when I first encountered it was I I actually was just floating along with my guidance and I was driving through Pennsylvania and I was staying with a friend of mine and um, Stayed there one night, and then the next day she said, okay, I have to go off to work, so enjoy your day. And I remember praying and meditating that day, and um, I heard very clearly to go to uh, the video store, the local video store, and I was told specifically to rent two movies, and I was told to play them back-to-back. And this was the first one, uh, the game. And so, you know, you just saw it. And then I played the second one, um, which I had never heard of. It was called The Man Who Knew Too Little. And I played that movie. And then when I got back, before she got back from work, I just got all these downloads 
Because it was like Jesus saying, well, the reason I had you play these two, you'll notice that both of them, the main characters, are, are two brothers. Both of them, the one brother offers the other brother a gift. Uh, both movies are undoing the control and the expectations of the self-concept. But the first one was the game, which we saw, and he said, this is what happens when you resist the guidance and you want to hold on to the past. Uh, it, it makes it seem much more delayed and much more difficult. In the second movie, The Man Who Knew Too Little, it was a very similar thing. Instead of a recreational game, it was called theater something, theater of life. It was an improv theater that came, I mean the two movies were absolutely parallel with brothers, the gifts that they offered were the same, theater of life, except instead of Michael Douglas playing Nicholas, it was Bill Murray in the lead. And instead of being an investment banker, uh, Bill Murray was a, a manager at Blockbuster, he worked as an employee at Blockbuster Video, Des Moines, Iowa. And, and so it turned into, the second one was, a, was truly humorous, because it was like everything that he needed for his dismantling was provided through the, through the game, through the improv. And he could hardly take it seriously. Like in the first movie, we just saw, you know, he's like, oh, I, I guess the game uses real bullets. And, and he sh took a couple shots and flattened the tire and, and went right into the car. Whereas in the other one, Bill Murray was like, hey, watch it. That, that seems real, you know. Like he was, he was so convinced that he was told it was a game. Uh, and he was convinced from the beginning that it was a game. And, and therefore he took it lightly. He, he never gave full credence to what was happening to him. Because he, in his mind he held it, it was a game. So I think that's, that's a good... Uh, like once we forgive, once we hold forgiveness out front, no matter what we have to face, like Dennis was just talking about, and, and what we go through with co-living, then it makes it go much easier and much faster when we keep in mind that this is all for us. This is all for our mind. That was something that was not suggested in the first in this movie. You know, that was not it was just told it was a you know, it was told a game. He did hear it was a game, but he didn't really register it, you know. He did not. He did not register it. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Robert. Okay, we have uh, Mary next. Go ahead, Mary, you can unmute yourself. Hey. Uh, I have been to a few movie nights, but this is the first one I've ever uh, spoken at, so this is fun. Um, I feel like there have just been so many things that have come up for me over the last few months. Um, and one of the things that I think I've been struggling with lately is really giving up that self-concept and really um, 
kind of letting go of the ego and letting go of guilt. Um, there's a song um, that I've been listening to lately. And um, in the beginning, it talks about like believing all of the lies that are in your mind and um, kind of feeling like you're never enough and wondering if you're more than just the sum of every high and every low. And then the chorus goes, um, it's a Christian song and the chorus goes, you say I am strong um, when I am weak. You say I am loved when I don't feel a thing. Um, and then the end of the refrain says, and I choose to believe the things you say of me. And I was realizing that that's something that I'm really still struggling with is I'm really struggling to believe that I am more uh, than just like the sum of every high and every low. Um, and I feel like one of the ways that I've noticed it is that um, there's a part of me that's very interested in coming to co-living, um, but I feel so much guilt about leaving my job or leaving my relationships. Um, and it's something that I had never really noticed before. Um, but I guess I'm wondering maybe if you have, maybe if you have some comments, I guess on that or how to kind of deal with like actually really letting go of the guilt. Um, and like how to, how to really actually kind of let go of that self-concept, um, in like a practical every day, <laughs> in a practical every day, uh, example. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. It, it does seem like I've noticed in these last 30 years of doing the, the course that sometimes I would get a prompt uh, to go to something, to go up to see, be with Ken and Gloria opening for a while, to go here, to go there, to take trips, to out on road trips or whatever. And co-living is one of these kind of options nowadays. But sometimes, too, the change of scenery... It has kind of like when you're brought together and just in trust with a bunch of mighty companions that are all taking very similar leaps, all watching the mind, all opening to the same prayer for purpose. There's some kind of a, an orchestration or synergy that happens that it's hard to even anticipate how helpful and value that, valuable that is. And, and so um, I, I find that that that's the way it works. We get little nudges sometime, and those are little prompts, and when we follow them, we start to get gain confidence in this new direction. And we do need trust. We need to develop trust. We need confidence-building experiences, and then more confidence-building experiences, you know, in the, oh yeah, I trust, I follow, and then whoosh, I feel more expansive, I feel more confident in the direction. And I like that you mentioned that Christian song because that's that was I was revving up for years just listening to songs on the radio and making cassette tapes and putting together stringing together then CDs of of these inspirational songs that was like my became the the soundtrack for the movie of David uh, where I had to like really rev up my my inspiration. And when you were talking about that song, I was thinking of this uh, song from years ago by Cliff Richard. It was a Christian song, but, you know, it's like, Came a time in my life, I had to be free, 
from all of the chains, all of the lies that used to be me. And the only way out is the only way in, and it's you. And then this whole song is about faith and taking the steps and coming to the crossroads, uh, facing the loneliness inside, and then, then whoosh, going for that, that guidance, going for, you know, he says, you made the rescue, you pulled me through, now let me do something for you. He's literally singing singing to Jesus, like, thank you, thank you for inspiring me, thank you for leading me, thank you for opening the doors, you know, you know I, I need more confidence, you know I need to develop trust, you know I need to expand my faith. And then those little songs coming in and those little nudges, uh, after a while we start to just, we take some action here and there and then it opens our mind up and opens us up to even stronger to follow the guidance. And I think that's the way it is. For many it starts off more like a trickle with a little nudge here and there and that's, of course, that's where it starts. And then once we start to engage with it and really say, okay, you lead the way, I'm really going to open myself, then that's where the confidence builds. So maybe you even think of it as just like, a, like taking a trip. That's what I, I would take trips. Alright Jesus, take me on a road trip here and uh, you know I need to develop trust so I know you'll bring me the, the holy encounters, the experiences I need. And maybe you, if you think of it that way, then it's, uh, it's better. I mean, I even have people who write to me that say, you know, I, I work remotely, can I can I come to co-living if I still have a job? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, uh, Sherry, Sherry Mosley, you know, she wrote uh, to me just saying, I want to, that, Spain sounds good, but I want to, I want to surf, and I want to, to do my readings, and I want to da 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 da. Is that, is that okay? I wrote, yes. <laughs> you know, you know it, in one sense, for people, they have to still feel like, they have to be able, if they feel to continue on with some things, even if they work remotely or they have some things that they're doing, they're just leaning in that direction for a, a building of trust. And, it, it, you know, that, that kind of goes against this sense of ego sacrifice. Ego is like, are you crazy? You know, what are you, you, you're going to give up this and this and this. You're, go, you're going to, you know, how the ego works. You'll be in worse shape. You know, it, it's got its own uh, uh, tune that it, it sings, but actually, you know, that's where you're just discerning. So thank you, thank you for bringing that up, because that's after a movie like this, <laughs> you can feel like, okay, I want to, I want to bring this back to my own prayers and my own discernment. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for coming on camera, sharing with us all. <laughs> Okay, next is Manuel. Go ahead, Manuel. Hey, David. Hi, everyone. Hi, Manu. <laughs> I heard your friends telling me that's your nickname. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was a great movie, David. I, I, I haven't ever watched it before, but um, I get excited because 
you were talking about this other movie, like the the man who who knew so little, and and it was in my mind the whole time, like yeah, this is a game, but he's he's not actually enjoying the game. He's <laughs> he's resistant and 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 making it like like so serious, and and the whole time was this movie with this character playing by by Bill Murray. Uh, playing in my mind like yeah there is there is another way to live the same thing <laughs> yeah and, and I, I think it was so funny how uh, it was playing the whole time in my mind because lately I've been experiencing like uh, if you take the right if you really take the right and, and say yes uh, I've been leading to a happiness I've been leading to to a laughing either when I feel like Oh shit! I I can I cannot do it. <laughs> okay, I I just remember. Yeah, I need a miracle, and I start laughing because actually I need a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 been like a a great uh, reminder for me. Like yeah, there is another way, and and actually is is possible if if I allow it just to happen, just to let let go and and don't take the the things to too serious i i really feel identified with the character because not not too long ago i i was taking taking things too serious and and making myself like this a spiritual ego character and yeah that's 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 definitely not the way <laughs> yeah thank you david yeah, thank you. Thank you for that WhatsApp message you sent me too about how you're keenly interested in like seeing how the spirit could use these movies. Uh and and it's beautiful that you even have that Bill Murray movie coming to mind, you know, the man who knew too little. So it's it shows me that it's like the Holy Spirit is gearing you up for for a, a teaching function in that will be joyful and and you're more lining up with the joy and the comedy of it, you know. Uh, you're not relating as much to the the heavy seriousness, but it's great that you got that discernment even during this movie. Like, yeah, this is one way of looking at it. <laughs> and then that's what I think the lesson was when Jesus gave me those two movies back to back. He was he was going to even use the two movies as a contrast and say, you know, you can you can focus on the error. Or you can focus on the the correction, the solution. Do you want the problem or do you want the answer? And the first movie was really uh, sticking to the problem, and the other one uh, was a, was a comedy movie, a, a very light one of like staying in the answer. And there's some scenes in that movie that I just howled at laughing, especially when they when they tie him up, they they tie him up, they gag him, and then. They take the they take his thing out of the mouth and they say they shoot truth serum into him and they say now we will get him to tell say who do you work for who do you work for who do you work for and then Bill Murray's like blockbuster video Des Moines Iowa and then they go oh he is so good you know <laughs> he's telling the truth and they're they're convinced he's lying uh, but. It shows how innocent it, it it is, you know. He he has to tell the truth, and he's so innocent through the whole thing. So, Peter Gallagher plays his brother in that, and I just saw him in a movie last night, uh, Palm Springs. 
which is, a, if anybody wants another tip, it's a, a new t- 2020 uh, time loop movie where two, two characters get caught in the time loop and, and the one, uh, the female character, is really determined to get out of the loop. So it's like a modern day 2020 Groundhog Day uh, movie that just uh, is on Hulu. So, yeah, you might enjoy that one, too. But thank you. Thank you, Manuel. Sweet. Okay, we've got two more hands up at the moment. Do you feel to continue? Yeah, let's finish off our two hands. We're doing really good tonight. (laughs) Great. I'll go to L next. I think it's pronounced L. You can unmute yourself. Yes, it is Elle. Oh, hi everyone. Hi, David. Hi, hi Elle. Hi, this is the first time that I've um, raised my hand. And uh, it's sort of an exercise in confidence building for me. Just because um, I just seem to get this stuckness in my throat when I... When I go to talk on a Zoom, well, any talking, actually, (laughs) Um, public speaking type of thing. So, um, I'm so grateful for the movies. I've been on for about two months on Wednesday nights. And Wednesday is my favorite day. I, (laughs) I have gotten so jazzed and so... Um, you know, just a, a spark in my life from watching every movie that we've seen. And Thursdays are usually my best day. I just, uh, things come to me about the movies that I didn't even think of during the movie. And that's wonderful. And I'm so happy about it. But also then I, I noticed a few days later, I can kind of go back down into the rabbit hole again. And um, I think it was Stephen who was saying um, that, um, what do you call it? Oh, he's kind of been beaten up this week or recently. And that's how I felt the last few days. And, um, and as I looked, as I watched the movie tonight, I could really relate to Nicholas with some of the arrogance and the control stuff. And, but as I was watching him, one of the things that was a little discouraging for me was that he seemed so brave to me. Like he would be in situations that I would, you know, not want to be in, just scary. They just seem very scary to me. And I feel like that's what I'm kind of avoiding as I go through these ups and downs and my ego starts making me feel insane. And, and then I, I guess I've gotten better. I've started to look at it and um, see that, you know, I've, I can ask for the Holy Spirit for guidance if I will stop and do that and pray and try to get lighter about things and find the light. Um, 
So, so that's kind of where I'm at as I think about this movie. Um, and um, I'm just so amazed. I, I had stopped watching movies uh, on my spiritual journey over the last, um, let's say, 10 years. And I'm just so amazed that they're, that Hollywood is making these movies that have these such great things to uh, show us. So I'm really grateful for you for turning me on to these movies. <laughs> it's been great. So thank uh, you. Thank you, Elle. That's beautiful. That's great. And I think what you were even feeling about the Michael Douglas character, uh, Nicholas, um, you know, that he was brave. And, and it's interesting because a lot of times people will, will say to me, well, you know, Jesus was brave and Jesus was courageous. And I think, I don't think he was. Um, I think that he had got into it deeper, into the shift of purpose, and, and courage is like having, you know, bravery in the face of, of fear and, and being able to act in spite of, of fear. But Jesus wasn't really acting in spite of fear. He, he went inside to forgive. And then as he forgave, he became fearless. And then his actions came from love. So he wasn't really courageous. He actually was was fearless based on love. And, and what Jesus, in the Course, he calls that mastery through love. That he says, mastery of fear doesn't work because it reinforces the belief in fear. But mastery through love is the answer. And I think that's, that's part of the authentic spiritual journey is that we, we need miracles to kind of build our trust. And then as our faith gets stronger, we value our inner intuitions, our guidances, those, those instructions that we receive from the inside. And that guides our life. So we're literally leading an inner directed life uh, instead of reacting and responding to the images. And to me, that's, that's a key point that you were bringing up because when I first was, had the course and I read it for five years and and practiced it, then Jesus took me on these road trips, like five and a half, six week road trips across the United States and even up into Canada. And it was all about just listening to guidance and him saying, let me go before you and let me show you the way. Don't rely on your past learning. Don't even try to be brave. He said, I know you're afraid. I know you don't like to travel. <laughs> I, know, I know the circumstances, but if but, but I am taking you on a road trip anyway because I want to teach you to follow me and to, to come from the, the guidance I give you and then you'll build a, a stronger trust in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that way you'll, you'll feel more relaxed and, and then instead of thinking of it as overcoming the fear, it's more like you ease into the love and and ease into greater trust with the love and that directs the way which is a whole different approach than kind of 
seeking to overcome fear. You know, that's a, that's a very different approach. So, thank you for bringing that up. That's beautiful. It's a very much of a nuance, yeah, with this whole journey. Thank you, Al. Okay, and now I'll go to Julie. Go ahead, Julie. Hello, thank you so much for the movie. It was amazing, I, I didn't see it, so I, it was uh, totally new for me. But yesterday I, um, I had the prompt to, uh, to say something to someone, which was a private thought. And I just, well, I, I decided to follow the prompt. So I openly said it. And after that, I, like in the hour after, like, oh my God, the rush of um, ego. Um, are you there? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I yeah, I got into um, tremendous judgment, guilt, fear, and so on. That that just flushed up, and as I was going through it, I I had the the temptation to just go into. You know, I, I just wanted to to get distracted. So I I I decided to okay, I'm gonna go to Netflix and listen to something, you know, a Siri uh, murder or something, you know. And um I tried a couple of one a couple, you know, and, and, and nothing was sticking and I was getting more and more upset. So I decided to instead to go in um Movie Watcher's Guide for, to Enlightenment. And guess what movie I picked? <laughs> the Man Who Knew Too Little. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen it before, but I, I, cho I chose this one. Well, I, I, I was, yeah, I, I was attracted this one, to this one because I, 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 what came to me was was stop taking all this too seriously. That was my, what, what I heard kind of. So yeah, let's go with that movie. So you were talking at first, you know, you, you, you comment on that movie. So you explained that the same, the same thing that you, you did tonight that Jesus told you to go get those two movies, uh, the gamer and the, the man who, knew too little to watch them back to back and and then <laughs> so i watched it but then this morning I, <laughs> and this is all so funny to me like it makes me giggle because i heard um you know you know you already know what movie is going to be played tonight and i was like why 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 would i know you know and i I I didn't know, of course, but when you said that, that it was the game, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this is just beautiful little smiles. And um, 
yeah, it was very powerful and very dark. And um, the ending is again, the ending is was a bit like uh, the the peaceful warrior, like a um, a breakthrough, <laughs> so to speak, because he's breaking through so many things when he falls down. And so it's the letting go, even of the body, you know. And so thank you. It, it, it was so, so beautiful and powerful. Thank you. Uh, thank you. You just, you saw them in a reversed order. You saw the man who knew to let them follow by the next day the game. So it's still a great, great teaching, great contrast. But thank you, Julie. Thank you for your transparency and your love and devotion. And yeah, it's it's wonderful. We're in this together. We're on our way. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Wow. Well, thank you, Julie, and thank you, everyone, for joining us. That's been another amazing uh, movie night. And um, there's something enjoyable about getting the lessons through the movies. You know, who would have thought? that we, would, we could go through movies like this. And I love getting messages. I've been getting some messages from a friend uh, who's actually in, um, in India, uh, Mumbai, India, who's, who was actually, like, like Julie was saying, he was, he's been there and, the, and with the pandemic and he's been there for four months, but he just started watching series on Netflix and then something stopped him in his mind. He said, no, I've, I've got a subscription to MWGE.org, you know, to movie watchers. What am I doing here? I should be watching uh, movies with commentary. So he, he had not used his subscription, so he went in there and he said, I'm going through the whole collection alphabetically. So he started, he started with the first ones and started to go through so many insights. He said, it's like, now I don't, even he just wrote to me today saying, I had all these hypotheticals about the future and then you sent out a little a message I sent him on the movie Next, uh, which is a very, uh, you know, quantum movie. And, and so he jumped from where he was at the top down, watched Next, and he said, wow, I had all kinds of hypotheticals. I was worried about all these different scenarios of the future and now I've learned that I don't have to worry i can i can just be present and and let it be shown so that's huge to let go of you know gyrating about all these different hypotheticals in the future so it's fun we're actually going through it together and uh this seems to be like a part of the fast track to uh collapse time in an enjoyable way so thank you thank you all for for joining in and participating and we always are coming up with uh, new ideas and new polls every week. We've got about three more consecutive Wednesdays and then we have our uh, retreat coming up, Beyond the Body Retreat. And I will show a special movie for the Beyond the Body Retreat. Um, I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> But it's, it, yeah, it's beyond the body movie. <laughs> so last time I tried to do it down here, I think uh, the uh, transformer exploded 
um, <laughs> I was showing it, but I'm not going to say what it is. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, thank you. Thank you for hanging in there with us. <laughs> we love you.